This month is Dyslexia Awareness Month, aiming to support those with the learning difference. And I'm joined today by Ashley Middleditch, who's a Service Improvement Manager at TalkTalk and part of our Talk Neurodiversity Employee Network. Hi Ashley, and thanks for joining us. Hi Casey, no worries. Very excited about this conversation. Absolutely. So first of all, we've probably all heard of dyslexia and we all know somebody who has it, but I appreciate everyone's experience is completely different and we might not know exactly what it is. So could you just give us a bit of background of of what this means for you and how you see it? Yes. So disclaimer, this podcast is about dyslexic. So if I say the wrong word or I get my sentence the wrong way around, just go with it and laugh with me. So 20% of the world population have dyslexia. That's roughly one in five of us. And what dyslexia is, to my understanding, is it's a biological difference in the brain. And I read a brain study, actually, that showed the left side of the brain, which is where your your logic, your science, your maths and everything is. And then the right side of the brain, which is where your holistic thought, your creativity your intuition, music, etc. sits there. And this study showed that dyslexic brains rely more on the right-hand side of the brain. So you've got access to the left side, which is where your logic and everything is, but you're sort of going through that creative side of your brain first, which I think why you've probably seen a lot of campaigns recently about dyslexic thinking and LinkedIn's added it as a skill this is such an exciting thing because you've got all these people who are thinking in a completely different way, which is amazing, I think so. And it most obviously displays itself in reading and writing. So that's probably what most people would think of if they hear dyslexia, they might think of challenges with that. But dyslexic people are amazing problem solvers. They make great entrepreneurs. They've got a large amount of empathy. There are some studies that you can see online where it shows that 84% of people that are dyslexic are above average in imagination. And then 71% of people that are dyslexic are above average in communication. So those skills on that side with visualization, problem solving, communicating are really, really high in dyslexic minds. Wow. And it's, it's something that we talk about a lot more, isn't it now? Mm -hmm. Do you, do you think previously it's been a bit of a taboo subject? I think probably historically, yes. If I think about school, I didn't really hear people talking about dyslexia that much or any other neurodiversities. And actually until I found out that I was dyslexic, I didn't really know much about it either. I know a lot about it now, but that's through my own research. So before that, I didn't. And it wasn't really something that was spoken about to me anyway, or around me. So tell us, Ashling, tell us a bit about your story and how you came to find out that you had dyslexia. I'll uh, start in the middle and then go backwards. So I was in my mid-20s and I was doing a degree with Talk Talk on digital solutions and technology. And I'd passed my first year or was about to pass my first year. And I was doing really well, but the teachers and the people that I was interacting at the university were asking me if I had dyslexia or something because the structure of my assignments, I just wasn't able to put them in the right structure to what was needed. And so all the content was there and I was getting 
really good feedback about all of my work, but I just couldn't nail the structure. And I was reading the instructions, thinking I'm doing it right. And there was just something just not matching up. So luckily they had a learning and development team there who I spoke to. I did a lot of online tests and spoke to their professionals. And it came back that I might have dyslexia. And then, I mean, lucky for me, my mother-in-law works at a school. So I had the right contacts there. So I could then, you know, do further testing and figure out actually, yes, I have got dyslexia. So that's how I found out. It's not as easy for other people. 80% of kids leave school undiagnosed. So I was one of those children. And it's really difficult to get diagnosed in things as an adult. Would you say that it presents differently in males and females? Absolutely. Like most people who are neurodiverse, women are able to mask more effectively, especially when they're younger than the males. They are able to, I guess, create coping mechanisms and different ways of doing things a bit quicker as well. So they tend to get unnoticed. And prior to being diagnosed, would you say that you had to overcome any specific challenges in and out of work that now kind of really makes sense to you? Yes, I think not knowing, I didn't realise at the time the obstacles that I was facing were linked to this. But throughout school, I remember feeling really frustrated and I've looked back at my reports and now it's really obvious to me, but at the time it wasn't. and. Most of school, so half of it, I was above average student in all of my subjects. I really loved learning. I was very curious. And all my reports say, you know, super curious, above average, doing really well, always enthusiastic, asked a lot of questions and things like that. But the common theme for my reports were that she's not trying hard enough and she's not concentrating for long enough. She needs to learn how to concentrate for longer. She needs to try harder. And I really, really loved stories when I was younger. So I would sit and read for hours. So luckily, I think that meant that my reading was actually really good because all I did in my free time was read. And reading out loud was difficult, but reading in general for me was e- was easier. So that helped with my learning, but because of the constant feedback that I was getting, I then started to pull back and not try as much because I think at the time I'm thinking, well I'm getting the grades and you're still telling me I'm not doing enough. You're still telling me I'm not concentrating. And when I tell you that I can't read the writing on the board or I can't see, you're telling me that it's my problem. So towards the end of school, I was predicted really terrible low grades because I wasn't trying and I wasn't very good at coursework. But then at the end of maybe halfway through year 10 towards GCSEs, I decided actually I'm going to pass all my GCSEs. So I did, but I didn't have the best experience at school because of that. But I didn't know I was dyslexic. So had I known, possibly I would have got some support. I would have understood more. And I wouldn't have been getting that feedback. And instead of the not trying and everything, somebody might have been sitting to me saying, your stories are great, your imagination's there, but actually we just need to think about how you structure your sentences or we just need to think about how you're writing that essay. But there wasn't really anybody doing that for me. Yeah, absolutely. And it must have been awful getting that negative feedback when you yourself thought that you were you were doing your best, essentially, weren't you? You were doing exactly yeah. what you could and you were performing 
differently to other people and that that's probably where that came from so when you did get that diagnosis how did you feel two things relief and frustration relief thinking great now i know it's not me for the things that have been challenging but then you start learning about it you start understanding it and you start realizing actually all the things that i've been good at all the successes that i've had the achievements that's because of the way I think. And that's because of being dyslexic. So, you know, promotions at work, changing roles, having great feedback in the adult world, all of that is because of the way that my mind works. So then you're thinking, I'm so glad that I've got this, but then just frustration because of the the schooling element of it, because school as it stands today is not set up for a neurodiverse group of people it's set up for a neurotypical brain and there are a large large amount of people that don't have that so it's not you know it's not there for everybody and I suppose like you there'll be hundreds of children that have dyslexia and don't yet know about it and might not find out until later life yeah exactly it's sad thinking about that because You don't want anybody to be thinking that there's something wrong with them because other people don't understand their gift and what a positive thing that their mind is. It's just because people are trying to put them in a box that they don't fit in. And that's not their fault. And hopefully months like this with Dyslexia Awareness Month and all of the work that charities are doing, hopefully that's something that's going to change more and more as we go through the years. Absolutely. There's the Made by Dyslexia charity, which is amazing. And they have been doing lots of lots of work on celebrating dyslexia, educating on what the dyslexic mind is, and trying to move away from that stereotypical thought of, you know, what people might have, which is just associating it with a challenge when actually it's so much more than that. It's that's really just one tiny, tiny element of it. And just to go back to when you received your diagnosis, was it something that you shared with other people straight away? Or is it something that you thought, oh, I I don't really know how to approach this subject? I didn't share with everybody straight away. I did in my personal life, you know, my family, my fiance, but it's not something that I spoke about at work right away. I did have a bit of fear about that. I thought, do I need to tell anybody? Do I not? I'm already an adult is it necessary? And I did also worry because you go online and you see all these words that you don't really associate with. And there's around, I think, 94% of people associate dyslexia as a negative thing. And I thought, if that's something I'm going to start talking about, what does that mean for me and my opportunities and the way I work with people and things? And I didn't want it to be an excuse for any negative perception so that was my first thought but then I decided to go against that thought and are you glad that you did absolutely you know I wish I'd known sooner I wish I'd talked about it sooner and what changes have you noticed at work since since you've been open about this just makes my life easier I can be myself I've got nothing to worry about just like this conversation today at the start, I said, if I get something the wrong way around or I say a sentence <laughs> inside out, don't don't worry about it. 
you'll still know what I mean. Yeah. And luckily you've not got a big red pen, so you're not <laughs> marking me down for anything. So no. yeah, I mean, it's just, it's that, but actually having these conversations has opened up so many different things. I've been able to have an opportunity to help other people. I'm part of the Neurodiverse Network at Talk Talk, which is a really amazing community that we're growing at the moment, which has been helpful to me as well as being able to help other people. Yeah, it's just been actually a really positive experience. So you you mentioned the Talk Neurodiversity Network then, and they're playing a big part in helping future talent recognise or work with their differences across the business as well. So do you just want to talk about a couple of things that you're working on with that network? Yeah, so we have a regular meetup with the people that have joined the whole network. So I think there's roughly about 118 people at the moment who regularly meet up, not all at once, and they don't have to meet up every single time. But there's people on there that are neurodiverse. And this isn't just specific to dyslexia. This is, you know, could be dyspraxia, ADHD, autism, many things. and it's a place where people can talk to each other, can help each other, talk about their experiences, talk about ways of working, any tips or resources that they can share. But it's also a place where there's a lot of parents on there as well, whose children are neurodiverse and they're they're just learning too. So it's not just for people like myself, it's for anybody really who wants to understand and learn a bit more. So There's some really great conversations there. We're working, well, we will be working on lots of things throughout the next year related to dyslexia. And we'll be celebrating dyslexia and dyslexic thinking. And I've been speaking to our teams to try and get a new dyslexic friendly font installed so that everybody has access to it, which will be um, really good but again everybody is so different and every person with dyslexia is different so a new font might not work for everybody just like you know everybody else it it really does just depend on the person sure I've been to a few of those meetups myself and it's just so inspiring to hear the different stories and amazing how people can share their experiences because like you say everybody's experience is completely different and I suppose to some people it can be quite off-putting just sitting on Google and seeing how they should feel when they might not feel like that. Exactly, exactly. I think that's probably Google. I mean, Google's amazing, but Google can also be a (laughs) treasure chest of information that you don't want to read. So it's one of those, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I always say to my friends, if you're not feeling well, don't Google it. But it is brilliant also for learning. But that's probably one of my challenges, actually, around the language that's used that you that you just mentioned, because when I realized I had dyslexia and I was relieved, but then I did go online and start researching and you see words like disadvantaged, disabled, challenges and all these words that kind of, to me at the time, felt like a less than word. But I don't and have never really associated with feeling like that. And I guess because I didn't have that label growing up, I never really had to think about it. But then as an adult, I'm thinking, well, actually, I think I've done pretty well. I don't feel like I'm, you know, I have a massive challenge different to other people. And when people might say to you, oh, I I never would have realized you had dyslexia. 
you kind of think that's a compliment. But at the same time, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Because if you say to somebody, I never really would have thought that, you think, well, what did you think I would be like if I had dyslexia? Because I wouldn't be like anything. I would just be myself. Yeah, it's, it's, it's strange, isn't it, to think like, like you say, what do they mean by that? What would you expect me to be acting like? It's Yes, exactly. And I think not just for dyslexia, but all people who are neurodiverse, language is very, very important. And I think that we, we could all do something a bit better or we could be a bit more mindful of the language that we're using. And that's why I've been calling it a learning difference because it is different. You do learn differently. Your brain is wired differently, but that doesn't have to be a disadvantage. It can be a strength. And I think that's something we can all take away from this podcast, if anything, that we should go and do a little bit more research on the language ourselves. And thank you so much for sharing your story. Just one last question before we finish. There'll be hundreds of people out there who might not have the confidence to share their story like you have today. So what advice would you give to them? I think I would say that every single person is capable of great things and your differences, whatever they may be, they're what set you apart from different people. And in those differences that you have, you will have strengths. You will have a strength that you can focus on and that can become your gift. And the world needs that. Somebody might need to hear your story or there might be a business or an organization or your own organization that needs your talent or your creativity and your different way of thinking. And so I guess my advice would just be to be yourself, show yourself some compassion and love, and you never know who you might inspire from that. Brilliant. Ashley, thanks for sharing your story with us today. Thank you. It's been great. That's all for today. If you like the podcast, please subscribe in your podcast app. And if you have time, give us a review. If you have a suggestion or question, get in touch on Twitter at TalkTalkGroup. You can follow us there or also on LinkedIn. Thanks a lot for listening.